feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Welcome back, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. Dom and Chris here, and as always, you know, go follow us on the social media, do the thing with the thing, Sports Experience on Instagram. Uh, go uh, follow, like, and subscribe on YouTube. Leave comments if you have any suggestions for future episodes. We've definitely made some uh, into current episodes that we've had. Um, in addition, uh, we're recording down here at Angle Studio in downtown Tucson for all your audio needs. And a uh, big thank you to uh, KFMA, along with Beef Vegan and Weirdo, for having us on uh, earlier in the week to promote the podcast. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We did a radio appearance for this podcast. If you want to check it out, we're going backwards. We're going back in time <laughs> with it. Um, and today, we're talking about the big unit, Randy Johnson, and we're not talking about his Johnson it's bigger than Shaq's Johnson, is probably. Ranty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest here. We don't know yet. We we're don't know still, yet. The <laughs> debate is still out. But we're talking about, I mean, the probably the best left-hander ever. Yeah, you can make that argument. Yeah. I think you really could. Uh, but uh, he had quite the uh, interesting beginning of his career. So oh, yeah, definitely nobody. Long road. In fact, we have a starting lineup right there of him. <laughs> that, that's so awesome. <laughs> but, yeah, nobody thought he was going to be... I mean, there's so many things that happen. So, and uh, big shout out to my buddy Matt. He actually texted me. Oh, this yeah, this is a suggestion. So, nice. Uh, thanks, Matt, yep. for uh, giving us some content. So, uh, Randall David Johnson, born September 10th, 1963, in Walnut Creek, California, one of six kids and quite the athletic child growing up. Oh, absolutely. As all of our athletes seem yes. to be, um, excelled in basketball and baseball. But he was just one of these kids that was tall from. That that young age where you're just like, oh, this kid's going to be huge. He bought a lot of his teammates beer when they were in Little League. Nice. I'm assuming. <laughs> because I'm assuming he had that mustache yep. when he was about eight. Had the mullet. Like, just walked in just dazed and confused style. Just like, hey. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. That's what I love about these Little League teams. Yep. <laughs> so, uh Good story. He uh, would throw the uh, baseball against the garage door, side of the garage door, um, and he would end up loosening the nails in the siding, and his dad would always just show up outside with a hammer and say, go and fix it. Yep. Get to fixing that. Uh, yeah, he would throw it so hard that it literally was knocking the wall down. Oh, so, definitely. Yeah. And uh, when you're six foot nine, six foot ten in high school, obviously you're good at basketball, but... You're obviously good at baseball because not only are you an imposing person on the pitching mound, you can throw it extremely fast. Yes, which is extremely intimidating, especially in this the the level that they're at. So he's in high school, and obviously he's throwing as hard as you know a bad MLB or like a really good college player. You know what I mean? So he he has that speed where he's at that next level and. The raw tools are there. Yes, and that's that's exactly what it is. The raw tools are there. Like he's definitely not a finished product by any means. Oh, However, no. when you're six, you're just an anomaly. Like, a, a not, and I don't use this negatively, but you're a freak. Yes. you're six foot ten. You're almost touching triple. You're in the nineties in high school. And exactly, you're still growing. Exactly, which is ridiculous. He's drafted as high as the fourth round by the Atlanta Braves in 1982. But smartly turns it down. This is a common. You know what yeah. I mean? They, the Braves are like, you look good. If you want to just start doing minor league stuff and he's just like, nah, I'm going to go to 
um, SC. Go? Yeah, he yeah. goes to USC and plays two years of basketball, which I didn't. I never knew that he played college basketball. Yeah, it was a basketball and baseball, which is crazy to think. Like, but I, he's obviously going to be your center, right? Yes. I mean, he's just sky hooking him in, and then like, oh wait, no. I'm really good at this baseball thing, too. Well, it just felt like he was probably better at it or he had more potential with him being just like a dominant pitcher with all of this. Like, I bet teams were just like salivating over him. Just like, yes, please come into our organization. Let us mold you. Exactly. Let That's us, let what us, it is. Let really. us do stuff to you. But, well, uh, I mean, not Penn the, State. This is, is USC. The, he is the big unit. He so. is the big unit. Um, so, it, funny story I had read. Uh, in his first Pac-10 game as a relief pitcher, his manager, Rod Dado, uh, went to the mound, and Randy was like, should I pitch from the stretch when he came into the game? And he was looking around like, what do you mean? He thought the first base coach was on first base. Oh, yeah. So it's just like, oh, boy, just walk back to the dugout. But uh, has a very successful college career um, for USC teammates with Mark McGuire. That's right. Oddly enough. So. thought that was interesting uh, back when Mark was – Half the man he was. Half the man. Half he was. the man he used to be. Not a lot of forearm uh, high fives. No, back not in those at that days. time. He was a skinny boy. They were both just skinny boys. So, um, but by 1985, he's picked in the second round of the uh, draft by the Montreal Expos, who aren't even a team anymore. And who throughout, I would say maybe 80 to 88, might have drafted the craziest lineup of people oh i know right we don't want to get into it it, it, it's it when i start reading it you're just like oh yeah they (laughs) had i mean they had pedro and randy johnson as like if they had molded them they would have had them in their prime together so basically the expos of the 80s while they didn't make the playoffs they were one of the most competitive teams in the national league and a lot of that was they put a lot of effort into their scouting department. So much. Because they could not afford to bring free agents there because of not only they're in another country with devalued currency, but they're in the province where they don't even speak English and they make less money and play in an essential toilet in Olympic Stadium. Yes. So the And you're so right where they were just like, the our only – way to be competitive is out scouting teams and boy did they then just stop being a franchise yeah, they did, well you know well they, I mean, yeah the value the, of the, the market wasn't and there. The, uh, yes the french canadians one not wanting a new stadium everything of what you just said so <laughs> but uh he advances to the minors pretty quickly because obviously he graduated college yes. it's not like you know he's an 18 year old they draft in the fourth round they're like we're gonna keep you in a ball maybe an extra year exactly he, he does what you see he just kind of goes through all of the steps of minor league, um, but mm, as he's as he's going through it and he's doing well, I didn't want to bring up a couple of things. In '86, he's in the Florida State League, eight and seven, three point one six ERA in twenty six starts. He has hundred and thirty three strikeouts in hundred nineteen and two thirds innings. However, ninety four walks. Well, and him <laughs> more than anybody because you you see guys and you're like, oh, that's from a movie. Him more than anybody. Bull Durham, where it's like, uh, to be honest, Bull Durham and I was minor just, league, I was just or major, major league. league but we better teach this kid some control before he kills someone. Exactly, but just the seven strikeouts, <laughs> seven walks. It's uh, so just like his, and I know I get what they're referencing. They're referencing these guys with just absolute high velocity and the lack of control, where it just goes. 
not necessarily where they need it to. If I were hitting against him as a left-handed batter, I would wear a diaper in the batter's box. I would box. be so scared. Like, that would be horrifying. Well, when he finally gets to the Mariners, they literally, his teammates won't step in with him. Yeah. Like, they won't take batting practice, and, like, they have to put a mannequin up there. And he's just like... <laughs> Knocks yep. the head off? Yep, exactly. 96! <laughs> so, uh, 87, he's with Jacksonville in double A. 140 innings pitch, 163 strike, 128 walks. Exactly. Though. So, he is a walk machine. But by 88, he does so well in AAA with Indianapolis. Takes his strikeouts down a little bit, averaging basically a strikeout per nine innings there. In 19 starts, he goes eight and seven. And he's a late September call up. And he does a fantastic job. He's called up yes. September 15th, 1988 for his Major League debut against the Pirates. Um, finishes the year 3-0, 2.42 ERA. A complete game. I was going to say, the his start right here with the Expos, it, you look like, it looks like you're just like, oh, this is going to be their starter for a couple of years. He's going to develop. And then but it you know what drops of, off. But you know what a lot of that is? You bring these guys up as September call-ups. Nobody's got the book on these guys. That's in true. The majors. So That's you're true. just seeing this. You're like, what is going on here? Then you have an off-season to pre- prepare to and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That makes sense because he comes back the next season uh, for the Expos, and he's 0-4 with an ERA of like 6.67. So it's, it's definitely – he's still on the potential train, and the Expos end up dealing him to the Mariners in what some people think is like – like I was saying, with them, if they're scouting these guys, trading them away is probably one of the worst things. Well, the crappy—I th- mean, he's zero and four. He's got twenty-six strikeouts, twenty-six walks in less than thirty innings. Yep. While well, you want him to come around, the Expos by the end of summer, July thirty-first, nineteen eighty-nine, they're still in the thick of the NL East race. Oh yeah, so they're trading so for they're what they're doing is essentially dumping prospects, dumping for an all-star yeah. to make the late last se- uh, post uh, late season postseason push. So they trade Randy, Gene Harris, Brian Holman, all pitchers, by the way, to the Seattle Mariners for Mike Campbell, and most importantly. Mark Langston, who oh, is yeah. probably at this well now eighty nine because this is Junior's rookie year. I would say Langston is not only their best pitcher but probably their best player, not named Ken Griffey Junior. So it doesn't end up working out for the Expos in eighty nine. Yeah. And well, what we see here, Seattle's actually kind of the perfect place for him to go and develop because they've been crappy since their inception. They have just finally got Ken Griffey. They have not had a winning season since 1976 when they became a team. Expectations are low. Which is great because sometimes lowered expectations, just like Mad TV, the dating show. This is what's good for Randy Johnson at this point. I'm hoping we lose enough to we can relocate to Miami. And we're going to talk about some Seattle relocation That's rumors right. later right. in this podcast. So... His first year, um, he goes uh, seven seven and nine in twenty two star- starts with a four point four zero ERA. Um, in nineteen ninety, though, he really serves notice that he's a dang good pitcher for them. He's like the might be the best one on their staff. I was just gonna say, so the like I was saying, where the the potential starts to really start to come together, even though he's still walking people like crazy, the. Just everything else, because he's such an intimidating pitcher with his fastball and his slider at this time. Because that's that's like his one-two at this point. He he hasn't developed all these other pitches. He really so, only has the two pitches. Yes. Yeah, so, but, 
Sometimes he doesn't know where they're going, and that's, <laughs> that's the scary part. Yes, is because you can see some of these old times where it's literally like up and over people's head. You're like, that was scary. And he's not trying to hit people either. No, no, it's, it's not a intimidation thing. It's literally he loses control of the ball. But he's an all star that year. He wins 14 games. Um, led the league in walks led with 120. Yep. But on June 2nd, 1990, he makes history. Throws First. The- yeah, first Mariner ever to throw a to was it wasn't a complete game, right? It was a no hitter. Yeah, it was a complete game, no hitter. Oh, I, I mean a perfect game. No, it wasn't. I meant, well, he walked la- six guys. Yeah, because <laughs> the one later is when he finally finds his control. But yeah, first Mariners no hitter, um, and that like you were saying, like because there's like a bunch of stuff where you're like, dude, he made an All Star, and then after after that he pitches this no hitter, and you're like, okay, this guy could be a. One of the best pitchers in the league. couple good quotes I found. Yeah, he says, when I struck out Mike Heath for the last out, I didn't know how to react. I just stood there, which is so, I don't know what to do with my hands. Yes, so, oh, yes. And then uh, Tony Phillips, who played for the Tigers, said he was throwing completely backwards. He was throwing fastballs when he should have been throwing breaking balls. That's awesome. Because he hasn't really developed as a pitcher to this point where it's not the Randy Johnson we know. It's just this is a gigantic person just firing BBs and sliders at you. Yeah, overpowering would be his the way he would take everybody out. And to to his credit, he like like I imagine everybody wishes this happens for every player, is he literally just keeps getting better every single year. And you're just like, okay, this is like uh the ascent that you want on your absolutely like physical phenom like you were saying earlier a freak and you're like not in a bad way no in a way that you were like i want everybody to be a freak like that i'm gonna tame this wild stallion bill and ted style but uh 91 92 mariners finally have a 500 season Mm -hmm. about 500 season but the control problems are really getting to him uh 25 and 24 over the two years 469 strikeouts which is awesome but he leads the league in walks both seasons and also in hit by pitches in 92 but also strikeouts in but 92. also stri- that's what i mean the he really is the evie calvin lelouch where he's just <laughs> like has all of the statistics and you're like leads the league in strikeouts and walks <laughs> and hit batter and he's not attempting to hit these batters it's not one of those things where he's like we're gonna put him in and it's gonna start a shit it's like no no, no. he lost control of that one again a, a big thing that he credits though and a Hall of Famer. We did it in one of our earlier episodes on Nolan Ryan and Tom House, pitching guru. Nolan Ryan, when he was in- with Texas, saw him with the Mariners and just kind of pointed out some mechanical things that he was doing as far as falling off the mound. And for Randy, being 6'10 as a starting pitcher is very hard. It's being, it, being 6'10 in any scenario in life is hard because you have so many moving parts at once. And to get them all synced up to do something like throwing a baseball is not easy. Well, I feel like the what he needed was a Hall of Fame pitcher to work out because it literally was on his landing foot. He was just like, you're landing on your toe. Try and land on your heel, and it's going to give you just a little bit more control. And go because this is at, like at the end of the 92 season. Yeah. I'm coming back into 93. People said they were just like, no, no, no. He was an amazing pitcher. In 93, he was a different pitcher like that's the only like you don't see him walk people like he was no and now and, and now his slider comes around yes and yeah you're throwing triple digit fastball try hitting a 90 plus mile an hour slider yes 
from from like all the way over here. It's like from yeah. off screen. It comes in from the like first base, and you're like, where the hell did that even come from? It's not even fair, especially if you're a left handed hitter. Like I know it's so scary. It's like that ball is coming right at me. It's yeah, but that's what a dominant pitcher he was with two pitches going into ninety three. We see Randy Johnson that. Everybody knows. Yeah, I'd just walk into my local Walgreens and they'd be like, what, what can I get you today? Uh, Randy Johnson's pitching this weekend. I got you. I got you. <laughs> but I got you, uh, in that offseason, actually uh, around Christmas time, his dad died. I saw and that. And that was also kind of a huge motivating force for him as far as just like, man, it's just a game, but you know, give it everything you possibly have. Yep. Well, um, it was it, – and just to – I did find that interesting because it both was like it's just a game, but at the same time he was like I'm going to put more into it, which is – it's an interesting – because sometimes that can like take people out of it. Exactly. Yeah. It almost centered him. Exact. Yes. It Weirdly. almost centered him. So the next two years he's an all-star, um, 32 and 14. <laughs> 93 all-star game. The scene with John Cruck was pretty funny. Yep. Where uh, – what he has a couple it? of funny all-star moments. Yeah, 97, like, the other one, Larry yeah. Walker, where they just get scared. and uh, Another expo. Another That's... expo, right? Yeah, but they, he has these moments where he throws them so wild that you're just like, oh, my God, that's kind of scary. Um, um, both seasons, he leads the league in strikeouts. He's yes. 308 and 93, 204 and 94, but, of course, the strike. He has 19 complete games in those two years. You, you're not going to see pitchers like this anymore. This is it. This is a different game. Do you see he almost went to the Blue Jays? I did, yeah. I, that I, would have been... I love going back on these because you're just like, I. if I heard that, I completely forgot about it. So. Oh, my God. That would have been absolutely crazy. Yes. Um, he 94, he leads the AL in complete games. 94, he leads the league in shutouts. Strike I, season. So it, it's, it's the strike season, but we get into 95, and the Mariners have finally built kind of a Leviathan because... Ken Griffey Jr. is there. Jay Jay Buhner, they traded for Ken Phelps. Got a rocket for an arm. 40 home runs. You don't know what you're doing. Edgar Martinez is in the Hall of Fame as your DH when he's finally coming into his own. I mean, they're a very talented. Lou Pinella comes in. He's now the manager. They're ready to make a postseason run, and it's very important because the team is in danger of being relocated to Florida. Life imitating art. I should say, which was a joke and then it became so serious in this time where they're like oh no no no, we're gonna have a florida team another one yes we're gonna have the that was the marlins right well the the marlins were already there okay they were gonna move to st petersburg because until barry bonds got to san francisco that was what was going to happen they're like well we need to put a team there how about these mariners who've never made the playoffs or won a division before (laughs) they they don't need basketball they don't need baseball they don't need anything in seattle oh god so in 95, and go listen to our 95 Angels episode because that ties into this yes, and Randy yes. Johnson. Um, but basically what happens is California at the time, they're not Los Angeles of Anaheim or Orange Cat, whatever the fuck they whatever. call themselves. Yeah. But they build this huge lead. And as this is happening, this is also an election year in Seattle where they're voting on a new baseball stadium. And the Mariners are so far but Randy's still kicking ass, though. Yes, I mean, he's the consistent, because Junior gets hurt at the beginning of the year. Um, by August, September, they start building back and building back and building, and they finally catch California. In fact, because they lost their last series to Texas and California beat Oakland, they have to go to a one-game playoff. Yes. And Randy is the most dominant pitcher in baseball this year, 18-2, and 
2.48 ERA, lead the AL, wins his first Cy Young. Second highest winning percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, some guy in like the 30s went 15-1. and one. And you're just like, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm going to give it to Randy. I did want to bring this up. He had 294 strikeouts and 214.1 innings pitched, but only 65 walks. That's that, the type of improvement, the mecha- the mechanics, and just you know him developing as a pitcher. Almost five times as many strikeouts as walks. And then before, it would be like, yeah, he has like five more walks this season than strikeouts. Yeah. So <laughs> it really is. the His game, and he says this, the Nolan Ryan thing and just the refocusing uh, on the offseason with his dad passing away, it made him the Hall of Famer. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, if those two things, I, I think he would have just been a wild pitcher. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so they play. They have to play a one-game playoff to determine the NL West. Yep. Or the AL West, pardon me. And uh, they're playing California. And who is starting the game for the California Angels? Uh, wait, who's starting the game for the Angels? The Mark Langston. Oh, yes. Mark Langston. The guy he, he traded, was traded yes. for back oh, in Montreal. So what is Randy doing this game? Just doesn't give an absolute shit about California. Mm-hmm. Nine innings, nine to one, they win. He pitches a complete game, which I was going to say it was great. a three hitter or something like that. It was, yeah, I think Tony Phillips had a homer in the ninth. Yes. of that game. Which, but when on one hand it's awesome, they go to the playoffs for the first time, they win the division for the first time, but they waste Randy. Yes. Before a playoff series with the Yankees. With the Yankees, yep. With the Yankees and their traveling secretary and cotton uniforms. So so he has to play, um, instead of playing game one, he has to play game three. Yeah, and, and he wins game three. And he wins a fantastic game. job. Yes. And then he's not ready for game five. But, I mean, I'm just saying he does some stuff like this later in his career. Um, so they go to game five with the Yankees. And this is when I feel like Randy, you just... He's such a dominant pitcher where you're just like, no, no, no. We need our best pitcher right now. This is when he became a national baseball legend. Yes. Not just like a Seattle base. Because, I mean, the you know the playoff game win against California, that cemented That's him there. Huge. But, yeah. I mean, to come in in game five, pitch three innings of relief. Yep. Ninth, tenth, and eleventh. So, yeah. it's, it's literally, you're just like, yeah, he... <laughs> shut down the Yankees. I think he struck out six and three. Yeah. And you're just like, Jesus, man. It's it's such dominant pitching when you need it. Oh, totally. And they end up winning the game in 11-6-5 on the famous Edgar Martinez double. And just to point out, the Yankees really do not like Randy Johnson. They do not like him at all. And I don't think he likes them either. Nah. And, and it's, they'll never meet again. Ever. <laughs> never. Never. You won't even pitch for them. They won't, they won't even talk about Randy Johnson in New York City. Um, starts uh, two games in the ALC. They wasted him, though, in the game five, so yes. they have to wait. Yes. Um, they end up losing in six games. Um, game six was the uh, Kenny Lofton wild pitch game that oh. went to the backstop. Interesting. And they ended up losing 4-0 to zero to Cleveland, but yeah. they saved baseball. in a, It true. was like watching Willie Mays Hayes and Ricky Vaughn and Jake Taylor in the Pacific Northwest. Against the Yankees. Against the Yankees, because they're evil. So good. Uh, 96, he has back surgery, though. Yeah, so this is when his back, which is a huge yeah. uh, problem with his injury, which looking at his his career longevity, you're like, I almost don't believe it. Um, but he has like 
horrible back problems from like now until the end of his career. I mean, we're talking like tall guys on this podcast, like Sabone Zone and Ralph yep. Sampson. Like, it's hard. It's sometimes hard to keep these guys healthy. Yes. Well, it's- like later in his career, he literally lays down in between innings so he doesn't have to like in between every single inning so he can like stretch his back out so it's like so he sidelined for a lot of 96 uh 97 they come back though and they run it back they run it back they win the al west they had an even better team than they did in 95 that year uh wins his second cy young 20 and four which is 2.28 er this is like only pedro martinez is reaching these microscopic era levels um, this is his best uh, ERA uh, of his whole career was 2.28. I read so. uh, two times he struck out 19 batters in a game, yep. one of which they lost. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. Um, what was it? Ray Durham, though, the one that they won against the White Sox, he said, basically, I look for one pitch, his fastball. If he's getting a slider over, I'm out anyway. Yep. That's just what a force he was. The All-Star game that year, that was the Larry was, Walker one. Yeah, where he turns his hat or I mean, his helmet backwards. and yeah. Unfortunately, this postseason's not very kind to Randy. Uh, he's got to face another Hall of Fame pitcher in Mike Mussina, who had a hell of an ALDS oh, yeah. with uh, Baltimore. Um, he loses both of his starts uh, to Mussina. And uh, now is time where Randy started. I, I won't say he's stressing, but... 98's a con- or 99's going to be a con- or 98's a contract year for Randy. And the earlier in the seasons, the Dodgers had come in to try and trade yeah. for him, and the Mariners were like, "No, no, we're going to keep him. We're going to resign it's him." A postseason run too. Yes. Like you're not trading. Your you're not exactly exactly like, the the timing wasn't there. But then once they they get knocked out of the postseason, they make this realization of like he probably isn't going to resign with us. So 98, they've already. They've already handed the bag to A-Rodden Jr. Yep. Martinez is locked up. They don't – I mean, they're not a huge market team. So no. They, it's – and by that same token, he's 35 years old too. And that's, I think, also what went into Seattle's thinking. But to be fair, when we go over – because we've mentioned this trade on our 2001 Mariners podcast – the trade benefited both sides. Yes, it was. It, Seattle didn't trade him for a fucking washing machine. Like they got, they got value out of it at the end of a contract that he probably wasn't going to resign. That they didn't really have money for him to. Resign. Yeah. So like all of it worked out. But to to your credit, when you say he's thirty five, I remember somebody saying they were just like he is a velocity pitcher. So. Everybody was thinking it was just like his arm's about to die. At some point, yeah. And his he's having back problems. He's a tall-ass dude. Injuries are going to start to come in. So, like, there was that thought, I feel like, from the Mariners being like, we're going to cut our losses right here and just be like, go on. And he goes to the Astros. But, and to be fair, though, up to July 31st, 1998, which is nine years after the, to the day that he's traded from Montreal to Seattle, yep. up to that point, he was 9-10 and 10 with a 4.33 ERA. He's traded to the Astros for Freddie Garcia, 2005 World Series hero for the uh, White Sox, John Halama, a good starter and reliever, Carlos Guillen, who was a fantastic player for the Detroit Tigers in the middle infield on those Miguel Cabrera teams. Oh, yeah. Nice. So, I mean, so, obviously they all played for the Mariners and they had their moments with the Mariners. Exactly. But, I mean, like, these are really good, good players. Pieces. Yeah. Um, the Astros were ahead of the Cubs there in the NL Central. They were in a road trip in Pittsburgh. And uh, during the news break, Jeff Bagwell bought everybody drinks at the bar. Well, so, like, it, it gets literally broken on sports radio or yeah. whatever. The And he's just like... 
gets so excited. He's just like, oh, my God, we just picked up the best pitcher in baseball. Like, yeah. His first start, August 2nd, 1998. He strikes out 12 Pirates. And his, I mean, which was the most strikeouts by an Astros pitcher in 29 years. But the end of this season for him Unbelievable. was Un- I mean, he was the most dominant pitcher in baseball down the stretch. 10-1, 1.28 ERA. <laughs> 329 strikeouts between the two clubs. And you're thinking, God, if there's anybody that's going to beat the Braves in 98, it's yeah. Houston because they're not going to get him in the division series, but he would pitch three games against Atlanta in an NLCS. Yeah, yeah, in a seven. Unfortunately, they run into... In the NLDS... It's not his fault. It's, no, was, it's it was a very freaky, confusing. There was one pitch. This man right here hit a Randy Johnson slider almost in the opposite batter's box for a double. Some say there was something with a fan <laughs> being placed. I don't know. We're oh. gonna leave the fans on when my man goes up. Oh, but boy. Uh, the because he, he so he starts uh, game one and four and he actually loses both of them for the Astros. Uh, well, Kevin Brown pitched game one and was oh. just so Kevin Brown had a hell of a ninety eight NLCS and NLDS and like I think he had sixteen strikeouts in game one. Yeah, uh, for against Houston, it just nothing broke their way in that entire it, series. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, sixteen strikeouts in game one and in game four it was the bullpen and fielding errors that blew it for that him in San it. Diego. Yeah. So, Randy Johnson needs a team now because he's a free agent. It's a free agent. Astros aren't going to bring him back. They brought him in as the hired gun. And yep. December 10th, 1998, he makes a, an interesting decision at the time that was thought to be for where he ends up wanting to go. Well, it's very interesting because he goes to the newest team, essentially. So, he goes to the Arizona Diamondbacks. They became a franchise in 98 and now it's 99 so he's literally just in their second season and they were a last place team in 98 and they're obvi- like it's almost like an obvious they're that bad because they're like we're brand new so yeah. but they start to get people where you're like oh this could be a good team matt williams that's this I mean, yes this is when like this is their i mean matt williams they got the first season mm-hmm. but this is your marquee yes star and it's crazy to think because at the time people were like, four years, fifty-two million for a thirty-six-year-old pitcher. Yes, I mean with a fifth-year option. Exactly. So, yes. Um, all he does is go seventeen and nine, lead the NL in ERA. I think he gets a Cy Young again, which yes, made he, him Pedro and Gaylord Perry the only two guy, three guys to get him to in both both leagues. Yep. Um, I didn't want to add he had a career high two hundred seventy-one. Point two innings pitch and 360, 36 years old, 364 strike, two pitches. Yes. Two freaking pitches. Yeah, it's crazy. And then this is when the Diamondbacks start to build their team out. So they get, you they, know, well, they, in this, I didn't want to mention they end this season. They lost in the postseason to the Mets. Oh, yeah. Which doesn't happen no. a lot. Yeah. It's almost NL like a team. Lions victory. It, hey. Jared Goff. It happened. Bite those kneecaps, Dan Campbell! It happened. Um, so they pick up the political analyst now, Kurt Schilling. I mean, and... he's too crazy for Breitbart now. <laughs> Kurt Schilling, they're just like, whoa, buddy. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, you deserve weird. to be in the Hall of Fame. Yes. I mean, no, if there is a better postseason pitcher than Randy Johnson it, of the modern era, it might be Kurt, Kurt Schilling. Schilling. Yes. And I will... 
100% back him for the Hall of Fame. I will never back anything he says. He's he's quite the character. He's a man. <laughs> he's not even really a man of his time anymore. No, no. And I'll tell you what was interesting is they said that him and Randy were so oh, different yeah. that it made such a one-two punch where he was just like, Kurt Schilling is a loud, obnoxious <laughs> dickhead, and Randy is a reserved gentleman. He's like the like, Terminator, though. All I can think of is the... Oh, that's crazy. Wins a wins a second Cy Young though yep. in uh two thousand. In his first season as or I mean in his second season as a Diamondback. Uh eight complete games, three shutouts, leads the NL and leads Major League Baseball in strikeouts that year. Uh unfortunately they don't make the playoffs. No. Uh, San Francisco wins the division, and I believe the Mets snagged the wild card that year. But in 2001, they put it all together. But before the season even begins, we're in Tucson, Arizona, Chris. March 24th. Yes. And one of the... Tucson Electric Park. Craziest. We're in Tucson right now. And one of the craziest... It's... When I watch it, because you, it'll pop up on your feed every now and again, yeah. it'll just be like, oh, my God. It, every single time it makes me think of Sandlot, not just of like people's reaction. They're just like, I've never seen anybody hit the guts out of a ball before. <laughs> but in truth, it was, I've never seen a bird explode by a pitch. I think that bird left a note behind, Chris. Oh, my there is God. No, if Randy Johnson tried that 100 times, I don't think he could hit the bird a hundred times. If he tried it ten thousand times, I don't know if the just the timing. The bird flies in. It's not like he's like just drifting there. It's no. literally both going full speed. And, it, and, and I mean, and it's it's one of the morning doves, which is a classy pigeon. It just said, "I've had enough. Goodbye, cruel world." But what a way to go out. And you know what? We got to be true with ourselves. You don't have to keep the pigeon in your pocket anymore. No. <laughs> I think I might have hugged him too hard. God damn it. The it's bird like, had a death wish, but in the seventh it, He had a death it's wish. A spring training game, and he just launches one. If you've never seen it, it is one of the craziest because it, it it's so it looks almost like a magic trick. I love how mad PETA got. It's like he couldn't do that if he tried. How, no yes. human person could hit a a Bird mid-flight, not like just like taking off the ground. No, I mean like mid-flight, mid-flight gunning it's a, it. It's a straight up a SAT question. They're just like, Randy oh Johnson God. is pitching a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. A bird is flying in at four miles per hour on the opposite side. When will... <laughs> what's the- when will Dom get hard because he's afraid of birds? That, oh, my God. So quick. <laughs> But you always pick B because, like that, I think that's the most consistent answer on the SATs. I just go through B. I was just. (laughs) I like to draw boobs on my Scantron. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so spring training, but Diamondbacks are locked and loaded in two thousand and one. Yes, you listen to our Schilling episode if you want any more uh, insight into his experience. But put it all together, his wins a Cy Young for the third straight year in the National League. Yes. He probably would have won it in Houston if he played a full season in 98. Oh, I have so no doubt. When you're thinking about it, 97, 99, 2000, 2001, that's four Cy Youngs in five years. Mm-hmm. It's probably why Kurt Schilling never won a Cy Young in his whole career because he's on the same pitching staff. Well, uh, I think it was this one where it might have been next year, but they were going one and two. So yeah. literally Schilling, like, 
And that's why the Diamondbacks were that good because they had a one-two punch that was like almost unbeatable. Um, 2001, they make it to the World Series for the first time ever. 20, 21 Obviously, and six that year, though. So we won 20, over 20 games. That oh, yeah, year. 21 and six. Yes, definitely. And uh, I did want to bring up one game in May because it is important. Um, uh, they're at uh, Bank oh. One. He struck out 20 Reds, and he got a no decision. Yep. He struck out 20 Communists. <laughs> The Cincinnati Red Legs. And still got a Wolverine. Wolverines. He also, this is my other thing. He's also doing this uh, every year. Keeps getting warm. 300 strikeouts. No. It's, he has so many strikeouts. It's crazy. He needs to throw more ground balls. That's all I'm yeah, saying. It's, it's more democratic, democratic it, But it's, it's, it's not even right. So he uh, uh, goes to the brink there. Um, he lost his first start of the NLDS. Oh, yeah. Or he lost his start in the NLDS of the card. He went eight innings and only gave up three runs, though. Yep. So it's not like it, he technically lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and he LC- has a loss. He yeah. didn't lose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. NLCS against the Braves. He has two starts. Wins both of them. They I, they sweep Atlanta. Yeah, they the sweep NLCS. Atlanta. He, I, it said one complete game, one shutout of the two starts. Two runs in 16 innings and only 10 hits. Against that Braves lineup, yeah, and it's and it's really some of the best pitching uh, that you that you'll see. And so in the World Series against the Yankees, he wins Game Two at home to take a two zero lead, a co- what was thought to be a commanding lead in this series. That's very true. Arizona should have swept this series. Like looking back, I mean, well, they had uh, New York had a little bit of American spirit behind them. They did. So. They did. Thanks a lot, Bin Laden. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> Diamondbacks crushed that American spirit like you wouldn't believe. Um, but in game six, though, and this was uh, this is very important. Randy gets a hit in this game. Yeah. I think he gets an RBI and scores a run in this game, too. But he's, he's very dominant in their very dominant game six win. He goes seven innings. Um, they're down 3-2, so he's pitching so to stave so, off elimination. Yes. They win 15-2. Bob Brenly, his manager, asks him after the game if he can go. The next day, mm-hmm. if he can pitch the next day, game seven out of the bullpen, much like 1995. Yes. Also against these hated Yankees. And he said, This is the World Series. I'll be ready. Yep. Which is Randy Johnson for, I'm a fucking professional. <laughs> so good. So we get to games. Schilling's yep. pitching this one. Um, like I said, you can go listen to that, that episode and how he does. Um, Randy comes in down two to one in the eighth inning. My God. Yes, and locks it down. So they're losing, and he comes in and dominates so much. And if you never see it with Gonzalez's... Retires he, all four batters he faces. Yes, too. and he gives him he gives the Diamondbacks the opportunity to then go on and, and win by a run. They could have scored more runs after that Soriano mm-hmm. knock. You know what I mean? Like, But kept it close enough. And because he did it, and he was the last guy, and then in the bottom of the ninth because he comes in there... He's the winning pitcher. He won three World Series games. That probably hasn't happened since fucking Mickey Lolich in yeah. the 60s or like the Dave episodes we did about oh, those. Oh, yeah. Rings. It's like, we're going to play nine World Series games. Yeah. Well, I saw that uh, out of the 11 Diamondbacks playoff wins, he had five of them. Oh, God. And three of them were in the World Series. So it's like, it's crazy. And Sh- Schilling, much like when he was in Philadelphia, he was probably getting no decisions outside of that game one because his bullpen just completely evaporated. Yep. Um, but he's co-World Series MVP. Yes. And first time he wins a World Series. He's a world champion now, which that... Well-deserved. 
he was obviously going to the Hall of Fame, but yeah. like this kind of just cements everything. Um, 2002, he just wins the NL Triple Crown. I was going to say this pitching might have been his best regular season pitching. Was yeah. 2002. He gets the triple crown with his, which is he's just the best at everything in pitching. Wins ERA and uh, strikeouts. Strikeouts. So like Miguel Cabrera, Cabrera, but just for pitchers. But yes, literally, yeah, yeah. So another Cy Young, fourth consecutive Cy Young, where you're just like, yeah, the Astros really messed up by letting him go. I know he was a hired gun, but like Jesus, man. No, they have to sign the immortal Derek Bell and Richard Hidalgo. <laughs> <laughs> no, but. Uh, he, but I did want to bring up in 2002, though, mind you, he is 39 years. He is 39 years yeah. old. He 260 innings leads Major League Baseball. Yes. So, uh, do lose to the Cardinals in the postseason, and now we start seeing seeing Arizona selling pieces. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty much done with their. It's like what every franchise do. They're like, we're going to rebuild, and you're just like, you just don't want to pay this out the ass anymore. 2003 as right knee surgery, uh, but 2004 as a freaking 41 year old man, Randy Johnson. He's a, a man. He's 40. Throws a perfect game. Not a no hitter. May 18th. Yep. And that's the thing. I think he's the oldest. Uh, he has to be the oldest person to ever throw a no, or I mean, a perfect game. Maybe Cy Young or somebody in the before times. Yeah, but maybe. Like, uh, it has to be, right? Yeah. But perfect game. I remember watching that game on the Superstation. Oh, nice. The, oh, the, the TBS. The Braves, yeah. yeah, so the Braves telecast. It's like Skip Carrier. Randy Johnson pitching pretty well today. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, went two to nothing, um, 13 strikeouts. He finished second that year in the Cy Young. That's how great to Clemens or whatever. Yeah. Well, Clemens was doing a little bit of yeah, I know. Um, but then he he uh, next season he ends up getting traded to the Yankees, which I always thought was a weird. I never understood why, because I'm sure he's one of those guys who had a no trade clause, right? Yeah, like that's where you want to go. Yeah, like it, the, I would have been like anywhere but there. Maybe he thought they had the World Series potential, but I, I, he, is, he was just so hated by them, and he didn't have a great time in New York. No, like, baseball wasn't fun. I mean, granted, when you're in your early 40s and over two seasons you go 34 and 19 and almost have 400 strikeouts, you're doing okay, yeah. but that was – I think those were the Kenny Lofton teams post that Boston collapse that just had – absolutely no cohesion and his era was going up and yeah his, i bet i bet it was like a sometimes you just get a disjointed locker room and it's just not there uh um, two, 2007 though he's traded back to the diamondbacks um and now that he's 43 years old it's crazy it's 43 he goes uh four and three and ten starts but he's got back surgery yeah but the thing is by this point in his career He's uh, in two, and in two thousand eight he goes eleven and ten, and at that point he has two hundred and ninety five wins. So obviously you're gonna, he, and he's the yeah. la- to me he's the last one. He's gonna I oh mean, I he'll go down so. as the last one. There I, will never be I another so. one. So he's he's looking for another team to sign with um, as a free agent just to rip that record. Like and, I get it, and, and he's and where he goes is important too because he's going to a team that's rebuilding that has a lot of good young pitching. Yep, they're not there yet. But he can be on the staff. He can go get his record. He's going back to Northern California. It's just a nice fit. And on June 4th, 2009, he wins his 300th game against Washington. 
the team the Expos became. Oh, yeah. Which that's I interesting. Found his nice spider web. His son was a bat boy for the game. Uh, finished the season with an eight and six record, almost a five ERA, which, you know. That's fine. You're, you're 44. 44, 45. Yeah. Um, and going to be the last guy to get to 300. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's a photojournalist because he took photography. I was going to say, his, so after he retired, he became like a really respected photographer. And if you look up his logo, his logo is the best. It's a baseball hitting a bird, <laughs> a bird exploding. It was just, so perfect. What was that? But he does like actual huge events that yes, he goes like rock concerts in addition to baseball and things like that. I very mean, actually respected photographer. They're not hiring because it's like, dude, Randy John. It's like, yeah. oh, no, no, this guy like really knows what he's doing. Um, like, like I said in the beginning of the, of the episode, I would have to say the best left-handed pitcher ever. And I don't think you could even make as, I mean, they're obviously Hall of Famers, but yeah, yeah. Steve Carlton and Warren Spahn are not Randy Johnson. Not and, as intimidating, and like you, what you were saying, the fear. But the mustache and the mullet and everything. The fear that these guys had. He was like 6'10 with this look. Just look at just that dominating. right there if you can. Just yep. zoom on in there. But I uh, did want to bring up statistics, though, because Please. it talks about this is why he's the best left handed pitcher ever 303 and 166. 3.29 career ERA, 4,875 strikeouts, which is second all-time with the Ryan Express, mm-hmm. the guy that helped him. Yes, that which, changed his career. Could you imagine how many more he would have had if he had that advice before 28, yeah. 29 yeah. years old? Um, he had 10.6 strikeouts for every nine innings. That was the average. Ten-time All-Star, five-time Cy Young, World Series, World Series co-MVP, nine-time led the league in strikeouts. And made the Hall of Fame in 2015. Yeah, so, without a doubt. First ballot. So, Yep. Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson, the big unit.